Hello, and welcome to Morning Prayer at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Edison, New Jersey. Today is the Monday after Holy Trinity. Now we enter the season after Pentecost. It's also called Ordinary Time, and our Gospel readings each week place us alongside Jesus and his disciples. We will be following Jesus, witnessing all that he says and does. And this week, we're going to do things a little bit differently. Our Bible reading and reflection will return each day to the Gospel reading that is assigned for each week. So each day this week, we'll be reading the same Gospel reading and looking at it from a different perspective. Today, we're going to read the whole story and look at the big picture of what God is doing in this story. Tomorrow, we'll zero in on certain details and so on through the rest of the week. And now we begin our time of prayer in silence. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall proclaim your praise. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Give glory to God, our light and our life. O come, let us worship and praise. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before God's presence with thanksgiving and raise a loud shout to the Lord with psalms. For you, Lord, are a great God and a great ruler above all gods. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. In your hand are the caverns of the earth. The heights of the hills are also yours. The sea is yours, for you made it, and your hands have molded the dry land. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For the Lord is our God, and we are the people of God's pasture and the sheep of God's hand. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways by the prophets. But in these last days, God has spoken to us by a son. A reading from Luke chapter 8, beginning at verse 23, or 26. Sorry. Then they arrived at the region of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. As Jesus stepped out on shore, a man from the city who had demons met him. For a long time he had not worn any clothes, and he did not live in a house, but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out, and he fell down before him, shouting, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many times it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bounds and be driven by the demons into the wild. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? He said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. They begged him not to order them to go back into the abyss. Now there on the hillside, a large herd of swine was feeding, and the demons begged Jesus to let them to enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered into the swine, and the herd stampeded down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When the swineherd saw what had happened, they ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then people came out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they found the man whom the demons had gone out of sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. 
and they became frightened. Those who had seen it told them how the one who had been possessed by demons had been healed. Then the whole throng of people of the surrounding region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them, for they were seized with great fear. So Jesus got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. So he went away, proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. Why Jesus? Have you ever wondered why God sent the Son into the world? What exactly is God hoping to accomplish through the Incarnation? I'm guessing that we probably don't ask ourselves questions like that all too often. The questions of our age swirl around whether or not we believe that God exists and how Jesus fits into all of that. Or we seem to treat Jesus simply as some kind of sacrificial lamb whose only purpose of living and only quest was perfection so that his death would be perfect enough to take away the sins of the world. While we can find responses to those kind of questions in Scripture about the existence of God, where Jesus fits in that, Jesus' sacrifice for our sins, and so on, the truth of the matter is that the Gospel tells actually a better and far superior story of what God is doing in the world through the life, death, and resurrection of the Son of God, of Jesus. The story that the Gospels tell, the questions that are raised by the Gospel are are much better, deeper, superior questions than the ones we modern Christians tend to tell or we ask. This story that we just read from the 8th chapter of Luke's Gospel is a perfect example. It tells a story that is all about Jesus entering into the world to free human beings from the demonic powers that drive this world to wild and violent madness. At the end of the story, the wild man who raves among the tombs is quiet, sitting peacefully at Jesus' feet, free from the demonic powers, clothed and in his right mind. That is what Jesus has done for him. In the power and authority of the God who created the heaven and the earth, the demons are gone, and the man and the countryside are cleansed. To our surprise, however, the people of the city find the presence of God and the liberating power of God actually much more terrifying than the wild, violent ravings of this demon-possessed man. I wonder what that is about. As Jesus turns away, the man asks to follow him, but Jesus instead sends him back to his home, back to the village, back to the city, to tell all that would listen, everything that God has done for him. That's the kind of move that Jesus actually won't make with the twelve and the rest of the disciples until after he has been raised from the dead and after he has ascended to the Father, after the Holy Spirit has come. It is as if somehow this man, whose humanity has been restored to him, now at this moment knows more about who Jesus is, what Jesus has come to do, than the disciples do at this point. He knows, and he knows in a way that springs from the depths of his being that Jesus has come to set him free from sin, death, and the power of the devil, so that once again he can live as a human being, a child of God. This week we're going to use a story map to help us hear the story of this man as he might have told it 
to those in his home or in his city. And we're going to think about our story, about the story that we are commanded to tell to those around us, the story of all that God has done for us. What we will find, I think, is that our story sounds a lot like the story we find actually at the heart of Luther's small catechism. As Luther explains what is being confessed in the second article of the Creed, he outlines Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and ascension, and he frames it for us and teaches it to us by telling us a story like this. I believe that Jesus Christ has redeemed me, a lost and condemned human being. He has purchased and freed me from all sins, from death, and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy, precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death. He has done all this in order that I may belong to him, live under him in his kingdom, and serve him in eternal righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, just as he has risen from the dead and lives and rules eternally. This is most certainly true. And we can almost imagine the man that Jesus frees from those demons, saying something similar to this. He tells the story of all that God has done for him. And over this week, we're going to help find our story so that we also might find ourselves saying something similar to this man, to the disciples, that we say in the creed of all that God has done for us. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. Blessed are you, Lord, the God of Israel. You have come to your people and set them free. You have raised up for us a mighty Savior, born of the house of your servant David. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. Through your holy prophets, you promised of old to save us from our enemies, from the hands of all who hate us, to show mercy to our forebears and to remember your holy covenant. This was the oath you swore to our father Abraham, to set us free from the hands of our enemies, free to worship you without fear, holy and righteous before you all the days of our life. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us, and you, child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare the way, to give God's people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us, to shine on those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Mighty God of mercy, we thank you for the resurrection dawn, bringing the glory of our risen Lord, who makes every day new. Especially we thank you for the sustaining goodness of your creation, for the new creation in Christ and all gifts of healing and forgiveness, for the communion of faith in your church, and for the gift of relationships with others. For what else are we thankful Merciful God of might, renew this weary world, heal the hurts of all of your children, and bring about your peace for all in Christ Jesus, the living Lord. Especially we pray for the Church of Jesus Christ in every land, and especially the people, the ministries, the leaders of St. Paul's Lutheran Church, for those who govern the nations of the world, for people in countries ravaged by strife or warfare, for all who work for peace and international harmony, for all who strive to save the earth from carelessness and destruction. For what else, for who else do we pray today?
We give you thanks, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have protected us through this night from all harm and danger. We ask that you would also protect us today from sin and all evil, so that our life and actions may please you. Into your hands we commend ourselves, our bodies, our souls, and all that is ours. Let your holy angels be with us, so that the wicked power, a wicked foe may have no power over us. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom, and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen. Go forth into the world to serve God with gladness. Be of good courage. Hold fast to that which is good. Render to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the afflicted. Honor all people. Love and serve God, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God.